what are you drinking today? I am drinking peach twisted tea. Oh, you tend to go for those twisted teas. They're so good. I can't find the variety pack right now, though, and it's pissing me off. I've literally never had one. Really? Those things are delicious. That's what Amber says. I No, I haven't had one. I was going to actually, I was looking for some the other day because I was like, everyone talks about these. I should try them. They're yeah. super easy to shotgun. And in Arizona, like, so I'm in Arizona right now visiting for two months. And unlike Texas, you can buy booze literally every store you walk into. So mm-hmm. up until two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and then they start selling again, at, I don't know, like five or six in the morning. Like, like it's a very short window where you can't buy booze and you can buy them in any store. And so yeah. I was actually looking for the Twisted Teas and I did not happen to find them, but I found the Bud Light Seltzer Ugly Sweater Pack. <laughs> I looked for that today. I didn't see it. And so it's, that. those are a little bit weird. Like, I don't hate them. But, like, they have one called Apple Crisp, and it literally tastes just like you're eating a piece of Apple Crisp. Interesting. I feel like, that would be, like, the pineapple apple beer I drank earlier. Yeah. Like, I, I haven't quite wrapped – like, I don't hate them, but I haven't quite wrapped my head around, like, how much it tastes like you're eating what it says it is. Kind That's of cool. The cranberry and the ginger snap ones are really good. A liquid diet. Yeah. Apple Crisp <laughs> is, like – Ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> what are you drinking today, Amanda? Well, because I'm in Arizona and it's still like 95 degrees in November, I'm drinking Svetka Strawberry Guava Vodka, and I mix it with some pog juice, pineapple orange guava. So a little tropical Hawaiian flair going on here in the desert. Guava. There you go. Guava. Guava. It's better than I expected it to be, and I'm really happy about it. Yay. That's (laughs) awesome. Welcome to this episode of Veterans Drinking Vodka. We believe that every veteran has a story to tell, and we are here to tell them. We have found that being a service member can be easy, but being a veteran can be very hard. In this episode, we are talking to Chris Hansen. Chris served in the United States Navy from 2006 to 2010 as a culinary specialist. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing good. How are y'all doing? Great. We're good. Happy to have you on our show today. Yes. Thank you. And what are you drinking? I'm drinking the Sour Heads Bang. Oh, what is that? No, it's an energy drink. I know yeah. what Bang is, but I've never. What heard is your favorite? Heads. What is your favorite Bang? Uh, it's a toss up. It's a mix. I mean, I've tried quite a few of them. They're all pretty good. Radical Spiratical, uh, the Unicorn one, the Sour Heads one, Gangster Berry. Bankster Berry, I'm gonna try that one. Oh, well, it's, it's Bankster Berry, but if you get on TikTok and you see, you know, Tandy Lyric's video about it, it they twist it up called Gangster Berry. <laughs> Hilarious. I like the lemon drop one. I haven't found that one yet. I just recently found uh, the Strawberry Blast. Oh, and know. that one's pretty good. Yeah, the lemon drop one is good if you ever come across that one. That's usually my good. I feel like that would be really good with some lemon vodka. I feel like it would too. Yeah. And I also feel like I would be up all night. (laughs) That's okay. It's okay. (laughs) All right, Chris, where are you from? And can you tell us a little bit about how your story started? 
I'm from originally all over. I, grew, I actually grew up in the military. My dad's retired Navy, but I do currently live in Springfield, Missouri. After I graduated high school, my dad got a completely different job that moved us to Springfield and started college and working full time in a uh, kitchen. And with my love of cooking, you know, I really couldn't afford college at the time, you know, working full time, you know, living with my parents. And my dad's like, you know, do what I did, join the Navy and you get out and you got the GI Bill and can afford college. And so with going to, you know, with my love of cooking, I thought, you know, joining the Navy, being a cook, you can help elevate, you know, knowledge of cooking and kind of better my career, further it with saying, you know, I was a cook in the Navy, you know, stuff like that. Did you and learn so a lot that's about like started. bulk cooking? Oh, fuck ton of it. <laughs> with with well, in A school, they just kind of teach you, you know, how you're going to be cooking it and different equipment and stuff like that. And it wasn't until I got stationed in, on the batons there in Norfolk, Virginia, that you learn, you know, you go from cooking at A school for 25, maybe 30 people to cooking for 2,500. And yeah. so it... They actually go from, have an you know, school. They have an A school for cooking. Yeah, it's a it's a month long actually. Where is that school at? Right across the street from Great Mistakes. Oh, so you didn't even get to leave. So depressing. No, I oh. after boot camp we went right across the street. Man, Amber and I both got to go to Pensacola. Yes. Lucky. Yes. Have you ever cooked in that galley? No. Have you ever eaten in that galley? No. The best. Gally, uh, you missed out on the Navy's greatest treasure. Yeah, that's what I heard. Um, we actually only spent a day in Pensacola after the whole uh, incident. Yeah, I like So that. we didn't get a chance to really check it out. Yeah, you you missed out on on a gem for sure. That galley is on point. I've heard that. So. Why did you decide to join the Navy specifically? Was it just because your dad was in the Navy and he recommended it or – over some of the other branches it was mainly navy because i also like to travel and looking into all the branches before i just stayed on navy well air force army marines you really don't go anywhere you get stationed at a certain place and until your next duty station you really don't go anywhere and so with the navy their deployments yeah you're stuck on a boat but i've been to the mediterranean middle east and red sea twice and never went to the same spot except for Byran and Dubai. Yeah. And so with that, you know, being a Navy, I've been, I can, I tell my friends and other people, I've been to more places in four years than 90% of people will ever go to in their lifetime. Yes. So I was on an amphibious assault ship as well, but from the West coast. And so, but we were one of the rare ships that got to go up through the Suez into the Mediterranean to do bright star. Okay. And so that was really a cool and like rare experience. So like the Suez Canal is amazing. Yeah, it, it's fun. It's we've been up and I've been up and down it collectively, I think four or five times, maybe more. Yeah, yeah. we only did it twice, but because you know it's not normal for a West Coast ship to go that far east. Right. But it was it was cool. I'm glad I got to do it. Yeah, it's really fun because going through a channel, you land on both sides and. Basically, just spit on each side of the, you know, two yeah, different countries. So 
sand on both sides and you're like how is this boat even going through here right now like, yeah the water it's crazy and then you have like did you have the little guys with guns like pointed at you while you were going through there oh yeah we had a uh there was that white car between a white car and a white you know the trucks you see all the time out in afghanistan mm-hmm. on both sides you know the whole time oh did you see the part where it said welcome to egypt in english on one side and arabic on the other side yeah the friendship bridge yeah that was so cool yeah i have pictures of it somewhere it was cool so other than the baton which is special to my heart because i'm from the amphibious navy too but other than the baton what other duty stations did you have did you go anywhere else no i actually i tried to but <laughs> since, since i know this isn't pg anymore i was in a, in my division of 40 people i was one of four white guys and from the warrant officer the uh food service officer all the way down to you know you know e1 if you weren't from you know northeast like new york new jersey philly they honestly didn't give a fuck about you and so coming into the Navy, you know, I knew cooking and knew everything, how to do everything by the book. I knew the book, both, you know, Navy and civilian world. Half the time I didn't go to the mandatory study sessions or I just wouldn't pay attention. And so when it came up for advancement exams, I actually showed up hungover, still kind of drunk. I passed the test with Cheers one of to drinking. Yeah. Oh, I was an alcoholic. Hung over for advancement exams. That. Hung over and uh, I was dozing off. And so I, I scored in the top five percentile of the Navy. So there was four of us going up for advancement and I scored the highest out of everybody on our ship, plus in the Navy. And that, that pissed them off. Oh, yeah. That'll Roy- royally pissed them off. <laughs> like the culinary and, specialist rate as a whole is very, I'm trying to think of the right word, like good old boys. Like it's a very oh, good old boys. Oh, club. fuck yeah. And it's also racist. Interesting yeah. because we had a young lady on here as a guest not too long ago that felt the other side of it because she is a black American and a woman and she joined in a rate that was primarily white you know it was an areographer's mate and so that tended okay. to be more um of the white race as opposed to the black american race and she kind of talked a little bit about how what her struggles were and like the changes that she saw and then it's kind of interesting now to have you on and you experienced it from the other side because the culinary specialist yeah. rate is typically a minority rate because they didn't have to like back when it started you know that was one of the first rates that when the navy started integrating people of color that was one of the first rates that they were able to get into and so it's yeah between cooking and uh boat space right it's interesting to kind of see both sides of that story and with being a drinking all the time and you know knowing my shit they didn't like that yeah they were like so when i bro yeah and so when i scored as high as i did on the advancement exam that really set them off because here's some stupid white drunk all the time and doesn't know his shit, doesn't do this, doesn't do that, and I proved them all wrong. I, you know, I conceded to prove them wrong all the time, and so they didn't like that very well. So when it came 
when it legitimately came up time to re-enlist and go somewhere else, they told me, oh, your perform to serve was denied. You can resubmit it up to six times. And each time they're like, oh, it was denied. It was denied. So they basically, I was forced out. What year was your perform to serve? What year did you get out again? 2010. Okay. Yeah. See, I got caught in the perform to serve cycle in 2011. So right about the same time. Yeah. They were advertising like incredibly at a very fast rate. Yeah. Well, it wasn't until I had all my, you know, you know, eval, everything signed to get out and basically turning in my ID that I found out that all my stuff was approved and I could have re-enlisted. Oh, and they just let you know? Yeah. They're just like, as I'm like, completely signed out of the navy and on terminal leave they're like oh by the way fuck you oh that's shady hey, here's cheers to pissing people off in the navy cheers. oh i did a great job of it <laughs> yeah me too i think i think we all kind of had those moments chris do you have a sea story that you can tell us today there's tons <laughs> <laughs> um hold on well never mind he didn't get to experience the west coast navy oh Oh, okay. So if, but you drive truck now, right? Have you been to the West coast? Yeah. So if you had to decide which coast was better, would you choose the West coast or the East coast? Probably West just because. Woo! Cheers to I the ha- West coast. West coast. I hate the West coast. I hate that's the, the million cold. dollar question. We set you up a little bit there, but. Oh, that's fine. I hate the cold. I love the beach. Yes. And trust me, like if I could have gone out to California, been on the West Coast and been able to, you know, spend my off time surfing in California, uh, it would have been I, I would have never left. Right? California is blue. Almost you amazing. <laughs> you would have left. I did leave. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, because, you know, all the fruits and nuts out there, but but the beaches hey. and the food and the yeah. Yes. It's California's got some good properties as well. They're, yeah, they're, they really do. There's some good hole-in-the-wall places out there, too. Oh, yeah. Yes, there is. Absolutely. Do you have a sea story that you can tell us today? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's quite a, quite a few. Let's hear um, your favorite. Yeah, your favorite one. Uh, my favorite one, actually, we did both on my first and second deployment. We went sandboarding, cliff diving, and snowboarding all on the same day in the same country. Dubai? Yeah. Oh, I love Dubai. So, oh, Dubai's the shit. So uh, uh, on my first deployment, you know, it was an MWR trip. And one of the guys I went to A school with ended up getting stationed with me on the baton from Brooklyn, New York, city as city gets. Never been to a resort, never done any kind of, you know, extreme stuff. And so I was like, hey, I'm going to do this NWR trip. You should come with me. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's go. So we went, you know, they took us out in the middle of the fucking desert, which right outside the city. Did some sandboarding for a couple hours. And, you know, the lunch was provided, hole in the wall diner. And we did, you know, ate lunch. And they're like, hey, we got one more thing for you. But instead of going somewhere, you just got to walk down this trail, probably 50 yards. And we're like, we're all like, everybody's like, why do we want to go out in the middle of the desert? You know, we already did sandboarding and stuff like that. There's no dude. And the guy at the restaurant was like, trust me. If you like, if you like swimming, you'll have a good time. <laughs> and as you're standing there in the parking lot looking at this, you're like, 
there's no water. It's just sand. And so we're like, fuck, you know, we'll check it out. We're walking down the trail and you, out of the middle of nowhere, you, you just come up to a bunch of cliffs anywhere from 30 to 50 feet up and there's crystal clear water. Like it's so Caribbean awesome. style clear water. Was that actually in Dubai? Yeah. Oh, okay. Cause I just like think right similar, but it was in Oman. Like they took us to Oman. Okay. And it was the same thing, like the crystal clear water and the cliffs to jump in in the middle of the desert. Like it was amazing. Yeah, it was fucking awesome. It, the buddy I went with, he, his mind was blown. He was like, I've never seen shit like this at all. And he's like, how do you get in the water? I'm like, jump. He thought I was fucking joking. I was like, no, he just, I was like, see you later. Jump right off. There you go. And he, he just, he stood there as like dumbfounded because he's like never done anything like this before. Yeah, I mean, he had a blast. And so when we got done with the MWR trip, take us back to the pier. Uh, I forget what they called it, but, you know, all the shops and whatnot, beer on the pier. And so, you know, he's like, I don't know. It's like, what are we going to do with the rest of the day? I was like, I know exactly where we're going because I've seen this shit on the Discovery Channel before I joined the Navy. <laughs> you know, how they, they, they did that special on the, the snow park on the Discovery Channel. And when I was like, hey, we're here. I got to go check this place out. I was like, come on. We're like, we're going to go snowboarding. He's like, where? We're in the fucking. I was like, we're, he's like, we're in the fucking desert. It's a hundred degrees. I was like, where the fuck are you going to find snow? I'm like the mall. Yeah. He's like, so cool. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? The mall? I'm like, <laughs> trust me, let's go. And so we, you know, hit up a couple of restaurants, had a couple of drinks, walked right past the skating rink, which he was completely dumbfounded by and walked up to the park and there's big ass bay windows. You can just look into it. And there's a fucking snow park in the middle of the desert. Walk inside. It's 30-something degrees covered in snow. And so we've spent the rest of the day, well, at least a couple of good hours, because you got to pay 200 dinar, which is yeah. like 150 bucks, snowsuit, equipment, and like six-hour pass. Yeah. That's what we did for the next six hours, which is sit there and snowboard it. You tell people, you know, I went sandboarding, cliff diving, and sandboarding in the same country. It just They're just like, wait, what? Yeah, same country, same day. Yeah. Like, if you dream it, Dubai can make it happen. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> Just on that, that aspect alone, you go walk around Gold City and that in itself. Yeah, I have a diamond from there. It might be glass. I don't know. I've never had it appraised. I'm a little bit scared too, but I have a half carat diamond from the gold suits in Dubai. You should actually go get it appraised. This shit is real. Yeah. I bought a uh, gold watch that's diamond encrusted and all that jazz. You know, I spent 300 bucks on it. Came back to the States and a couple months before I actually moved back to Missouri, I had it appraised for uh, $2,500. Oh, wow. Yeah, maybe I should have it appraised then. Yeah, it's a half carat solitaire. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. You should just to like see. Yeah. Just to be curious. Yeah, yeah. Do what? Also for my insurance. Oh, hell yeah. As fun as Dubai is and as uh, great as deployments are, eventually we all have to leave the service. How was your experience transitioning from being a sailor to being a civilian? It was definitely different. You know, you spent you know, boot camp and four years in the military and the whole time it's this way or it's no way. And so like we get done cooking for the day, we got to clean everything a certain way. So yeah, so you got to keep maintain, you know, your equipment and everything and you got to present yourself a certain way. 
And so when you get out, I got a job it's like three months after I got out at a new brand new restaurant opening up. And you're so used to having to do everything a certain way. And everybody looks at you like, the fuck are you doing? I'm like, doesn't this have to be a certain way? They're like, no, it's clean. Just wipe it down. It's good. And so going from a certain aspect, you're on time, you're late, early, right. you're on time. And so that today is one of the things that habits I've never been able to break is I've always shown up to work 30 to 15 minutes early. Yeah, I had the same. I've slowly, and it took me a while, but I slowly had to teach myself when I have to be to work at eight, I can get there at eight where I can get there at 755 because there ain't nobody else that's going to be there before 755, which you didn't recognize before you went into the military. But after being in the military and then becoming a civilian again, and you're realizing like, you don't have that structure anymore. You don't have the, this mm. is what you're doing from this time to this time. Yeah. Someone else isn't managing your time. Right. And it is and a so, huge adjustment. Uh, it really is because being in Navy, it's like when you're here, you're on our time. You're gonna, you got this, this, and this to do in this amount of time, and then we right. gotta do this and that. You know, you get in the civilian world, nobody gives a shit. Right? No, and they, and it's not saying that like if you're whatever company you're working for, that that's a shitty company, but it's it's just the way that it is. Yeah, it's just different. Yeah, it really is. I didn't realize when I joined the civilian world how sensitive people were that's something that i struggled with oh my god how sensitive other workers were and they'd be like amanda you have to stop being so mean and i'm like i'm not i'm not i'm not being mean yeah like you haven't even seen like that level of meanness come out yet no and you're so used to you know you can joke around and there is no political correctness. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah. Everything's funny. Like weird stuff and no one cares. Yeah. And they really don't. They no. the shit and everybody's like laughing right there with you. Yeah. You get yeah. in the civilian role. They're like, oh my God, did you just say that? I'm like, <laughs> we're showing up to work with a hangover. Oh God. And and still nothing. If you were at PT in the morning, oh, yeah. you were hungover. <laughs> They, who cared? Because half of y'all were hungover. You don't show up to work hungover now. You got a drinking problem and you're going to rehab. Yeah. What? For five years, I showed right? up work every day still drunk because I stopped drinking 30 fucking minutes ago. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> fuck yeah. There, there's one, that reminds me, there's one time we were in uh, Ismar, Turkey on my first deployment. We stopped drinking at midnight when we had to be back on the boat at 1230. And we had to be up by three to cook breakfast for offgoing duty. You know, our second class was the most sober, soberest person. We're like, hey, wake us up in the morning. He's like, okay. Woke us all up. We all were still drunk off our ass cooking well, breakfast. Sure. <laughs> that explains and nobody gave so much shit. about my breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> and the food sucked anyway. It did. I mean, you had to create your own. I don't know. The Filipinos were pretty good at making something out of nothing. Like, I'm not even going to lie. Like, those dudes could. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you guys had as many on the East Coast as we had on the West Coast. Like, I think they're a little more West Coast mm. prevalent. Yeah, they are. But those guys, yeah. like, they could make, like, the food on the boat was good, even when it wasn't good. They'd be like, we got nothing yeah. to cook. Have this chicken adobo. And we'd be like, okay. And yeah, like, I had people that would, you know, if I was cooking burgers on you know burger day or whatever 
if they knew I was cooking it, they would get that over something else. Yeah. Because I, if I'm going to make something, I'm going to make it where I like it, not just buy you know this stupid recipe card that makes it taste like shit. <laughs> yeah, we had a few of those too. Like it, you were like everyone's best friend. Like no joke. Oh fuck yeah! With being a cook, I did more stuff non CS related than anybody else did. Like I was qualified on every gun on the boat, even though I didn't have to be. I could walk into a shop and be like, hey, I need this fixed or I just want to sit around and bullshit with you guys. They're like, okay. Yeah. I needed something done. You want something. I got you. You got me. That's another thing, though, that as as civilians, though. They don't get it. They, you, no, you, they, they don't. don't understand that concept. No. no. And transitioning and becoming a veteran and realizing that, I think, is one of the hardest things to realize that you – you don't have a team of people that have your back. You don't no. have at all. There's no team. It's just yeah, there's no. Know. But you and, and in order to survive, survive and thrive in the civilian world, like you have to, you have to grasp that mentality. Though, like as much as you want to help all the people that you're with, because that's what you're used to and be a part of that family. You also have to realize that not a single one of those people give a shit about you and they will go okay. tell on someone in a heartbeat to get your ass they fired. Tell you out in a, oh, second. Fuck in a second. So different. So different. Yeah. The military. No, I don't care what, what your rate was, what your job was, where you were. If, if you were out in town Especially in a military town, so like San Diego, if you were out and there was something going on, and there's other active duty members with you, they're they they don't know you. They could be shore duty and and you're on a boat, but they're still gonna have your back. Oh no fuck matter, yeah! No matter what, no matter what, that's not how it happens in the real world. And see, like, and being in Virginia, that's why we always went to this country bar called the Bank. Military, Wait, what was it called? Like, the Bank. Oh, the Bank. I thought you said something else. but yeah if if, you know straight up military but you go downtown you know to any of the other better bars or whatever it was all civilians and you could tell right away walking into it it was the dynamic of the attitude the atmosphere was completely different we did it one time we're like yeah fuck this shit we're gonna we're gonna stick to this one and if anything ever popped off like some you know random civilian walked in and started shit it didn't matter if it was you your your buddies you're with or joe blow from a different command yeah it didn't matter every yeah it didn't matter everybody was like all right someone's starting shit i got your back because i know later on if the same shit popped off you're gonna have my back regardless of the situation it's that you know military mentality yeah also strength in numbers oh fuck yeah if we all fuck up you can't send us all to mass Exactly. <laughs> cheers, cheers to strength and numbers. Yeah. Strength and numbers. Yes. And like the one of the things that is still true to this day is like, yeah, the military is like a bunch of uh, siblings. You know, we'll give each other shit, but as soon as someone else that's not military steps in and says shit, all four of us get right. turn around and stomps to my ass. Right. Exactly. Yeah. My it's like we're gonna talk shit about every branch. Mm-hmm. But as soon as someone who's not been in the military wants to run their mouth or what are you doing? The Marine Corps is so, they're so heroic. No, they fucking eat crayons. Shut the fuck yeah. up. <laughs> like, like, we'll leave it. Let us talk our shit. That's, that's what yep. we do. 
We will even take the Coast <laughs> exactly. Guards back. Like, yeah, we roast them more than the Air Force, but they're still doing a job that is very dangerous, and we appreciate. Oh, it. fuck yeah! Bless their hearts. How are you doing now, Chris? I'm good. I'm driving a truck, obviously OTR, which is, I mean, I enjoy it. I love driving, traveling, stuff like that. And yeah, I work for company. But at the same point, I'm also my own boss. My dispatcher, you know, my boss says, hey, take this trailer, go here. Other than that, everything's on me, you know, which way I go, the safety of this truck and everybody else is all on me. So I kind of get to you know, make yeah, good money. Are you an owner operator no. or do you work for a company? I work for a company. So they provide the truck? Yeah, they provide the truck and everything. Awesome. I just kind of make it, you know, my home. Yeah. And make sure nothing happens to it. Yeah. Hopefully. And so that's I, I just drive it, kinda help take care of it when I can, or tell them what's wrong, what needs to be fixed, stuff like that. That's awesome. Yeah. Being an owner operator is expensive. Yeah. Cause you gotta take care of all that stuff on your own. Yep. And with this truck that I'm driving, it's got uh, super singles, which are instead of two duels on a drive, it's got big ass tires. It's like racing slicks. One of those alone is $1,300. Yeah. Trucks are expensive. Yeah. Like I filled up this thing uh, a couple weeks ago before I went home. It was $600 in fuel alone. Yeah, that's half of my weekly paycheck. So I'm like, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'll keep working for you guys and you can keep maintaining the truck. Oh, oh, fuck yeah. That is you just pay me, I'll drive it. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I like it. But as far as you being a veteran and going through some of the things that you've gone through, do you feel like you're in a better place now than you were when you got out? Yeah. Definitely, because like well, we were just talking about, you know, the camaraderie, the teamwork, the the, imbil- the ability to say shit and talk about shit with other veterans and people in the military. You know, everybody finds it funny. It's a giant joke. And at the same point, you can have, you know, a real conversation with somebody. And no matter how you know shitty you are or how down and dumps they are, you know, you always got someone to rely on, someone to talk to, stuff like that. Out in the civilian world, nobody gives a shit about you. But yeah, you after being out, yeah, and, I, and that's one of the biggest reasons that led me to driving the truck. You ain't got to worry about all the the crybabies or saying the wrong thing to somebody. It's just you. And so, you know, when I call someone just to bullshit or someone calls me, I ain't got to worry about watching what I say. It's a right free for all. It's a lot of veterans go into driving truck like it's where they're comfortable which is really cool that there's a job out there like that for yeah for us. So if you had any advice for your fellow veterans, either just becoming veterans or that have been trying to find their way for quite some time, what would that advice be? From what I've learned is don't be afraid to ask for help. I mean, things get hard transitioning. When you go from that camaraderie to nobody gives a shit about you, it does get hard and it does get difficult because you're still trying to find your place again, find that camaraderie until when you can't find it don't have you know someone to talk to that can understand where you're coming from it kind of gets hard and difficult then within different situations in life i know some places you know some people have different opinions the va is a great start i agree you know i've gotten a lot of things done and i've gotten a lot of help from the va 
you know, the VA there in Springfield and Branson area, has, I mean, I, I have no complaints. I know depending on what city everybody else is in. Yeah, it may be shitty, but the VA is always a great place to start. It is. And and it's important for veterans to remember, too, with the VA that they have to advocate for themselves. Definitely. Like, speak up and let them know what you need, and they're better equipped to help you. They're not going to try oh, to... yes. Yeah, exactly. After my divorce and stuff like that, you know, I was in a shitty place, and I just called my main doctor there at the VA because I do get 10% disability. Uh, you know, I have a, a permanent doctor through there. And I straight up told him, you know, shit's not right. This is what's going on. I need help. And he's like, I got you. Go talk to this person. And then this person will set you up with another person in mental health. And I, I haven't had any complaints yet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important to remember too, that if, if you have a counselor through mental health, especially that you don't jive with, or that's not working for you the way that you need them to work for, like ask for someone else, like oh yeah, for someone that you can connect with and you can talk to and that will help you. you like, you're not stuck yeah. with the first person that they assign you to. Oh yeah. And, and they'll straight up tell you too, like if things aren't working, you know, between us, like you don't feel like comfortable or, you know, just whatever, you know, say something and we'll give you, we'll pass you on to the next person, you know, not in a, a, not in a shitty way of passing you off, but we have, there's more than one doctor that you can talk to, to find somebody that, you know, you vibe with that can understand more equipped. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause not everyone is going to, is going to work as well as you need them to. So don't, don't be afraid to to speak up for yourself and let them know and ask for the help you need. Oh yeah, definitely. All right. So Chris, if our listeners wanted to find you, if they had questions or if they just wanted to, to have a chat, where can they find you? I'm on Facebook, Instagram, you know, and TikTok. Facebook is just, you know, my name, Chris Hansen. You're not going to actually find a picture of me. It's actually my, a picture of my daughter flying the kite. Instagram, it's uh, masterchef 1689. Then uh, on TikTok, it's just Chris Hansen 68. Cool. So if anyone wants to reach Chris, you can find him at those places and he would be more than happy to have a conversation with you, especially if you're oh, definitely. looking for someone to talk to. Amber, do you want to talk a little bit about the charity that we've chosen to support this episode? And I want to mention something before I talk about that. I do want to say for any of our civilian listeners that do listen to this podcast and whatever we do know that you appreciate us as veterans and and appreciate our service. I know that we said that you shit on us, you don't care about us. We know that you do care. However, I mean, just like we can never understand what it's like to just be a civilian, you will never understand what it's like to be a veteran. And so we know that you do care and are thankful for our service, but I mean, it's something that you'll never relate to and we'll yeah. never be able to relate to what it's like to never have been in the military. True. Yeah, um, definitely. And I was going to say it earlier and I'm not saying it because I mean, that, they don't care. They don't get it and they never will. And that's not their fault. Right. It's um, not that they don't care. It's just that it's harder for them to understand like understand from and, right. and what we've been through. Right. Like that's, that's something that as a veteran community that we just, click so well together regardless of who we are and where we came from and it's it's okay that they don't understand where we came from and that we don't know what it's like to only be a civilian and they don't know what it's like to have the veteran status 
I just wanted to say that really quick. <laughs> we, were, we were totally shit talking civilians, but I mean, that, again, no, that's one of those things though that we get it. Like we know why we're doing it and why we're saying it, and mm-hmm. someone might be offended. Yeah, definitely. It. Anyway, so our charity is the Chill Bahala Project. I have my 22 a day bracelet on. They bring awareness to mental health and the fact that 22 veterans kill themselves every day so if you want to check them out the till the hollow project online and then if you would like to meet not meet my bad if you would like I mean, to if you do want to meet us in eight years we'll be traveling the road you will hopefully we'll be on tour there you go that. <laughs> we're we're trying to set up some live tours with some vfws but that's you know down the pipeline that'd be cool yeah we thought it would be cool too to connect with. We're gonna do things. We're, we're in the process of doing things. Yeah, we we're just starting, but we're we're hoping to be. Hell there. yeah! <laughs> uh, if you would like. Hey, to you got to start somewhere. You do. You have to start. You just have to start sometimes, and if that's your dream, like just start and see what happens, and maybe you do well, maybe you don't, and maybe you make some adjustments and you keep going and you find your way. Like that's what we're good at. So if you Hell would yeah. like. To contact Amber or myself, we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Veterans Drinking Vodka. Or you can email us directly at Veterans Drinking Vodka at gmail.com. Please reach out to us if you would like to tell your story and be a guest on our podcast. You can send us an email at the Veterans Drinking Vodka at Gmail or DM us on any of the social media platforms that Amanda mentioned. If you like our podcast, subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, leave us a review and let us know what you think. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent. Your constructive criticism is greatly appreciated. Yeah, we like it. Just don't be mean. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be mean. Don't be mean. Also join us every Sunday for the Veterans After Hours via Zoom at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Look for the Zoom invite on Facebook or TikTok. Sunday mornings we put that out so that you can jump on and hang out with us on Sunday evenings. We're hanging out, telling stories, sharing resources, and meeting new friends. It's a fun time. It's so much fun. It is a fun time. But as always, 22 is 22 too many. One is too many. And you are never alone. Never. Veterans drinking vodka. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.